Fall is here, there's a chill in the air, and the Anomaly Film Festival is right around the corner. It's November 8th through the 12th at the Little Theater in Rochester, New York. Check it out at AnomalyFilmFest.com. It's the fifth year of showing the best in independent genre films, action, sci-fi, horror, dark comedy, and really whatever else that you wouldn't get a chance to see on the big screen. It's Anomaly Film Fest at the Little Theater, November 8th through 12th, AnomalyFilmFest.com. Masters of Couch Potato Style Punches and Popcorn Welcome back to all our Couch Potato Ninjas around the world, our Couch Potato crew. Uh, we are back for another exciting episode of Punches and Popcorn. And with you, I have my fellow Couch Potato Ninjas tonight. Uh, guys, I want to know from each of you, who is your Mortal Kombat fighter? Let's start with our genius, the ambassador, Jason. Jason Bills. Uh, I guess oh, this is a tough question. I wasn't ready for this question, even though you told us to be ready for this question. Uh, let's say it's a faint move. I, I'm got. I've got all my fighting skills ready here. I've You're got ready. The, I've got ready. the the shadows. And I'm ready. So, yep, you got. Okay. I you got a counter, man. I just I just sent a a roundhouse flying kick to the face. I think I'm gonna go sub zero. Maybe yeah, sort of my guy. Good one. Good classic. No follow up. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's nope. I just a question. You answered it. Mission accomplished. All right, next up, our magic man on, on the mic and on the board, Matt Knotts. Who's your fighter? Blanca. All day Blanca. I love Blanca. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> the Electra thing, go yeah, that it's, way it's too. dope. No, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a Johnny Cage guy. Well done. Johnny Classic. If Excellent. I get, if I get the Excellent. chance to Thank pretend you, to be Jean-Claude Van Damme, I'm going to do it. I mean, how could you not? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and we can't, of course, we can't leave out the walking weapon, our professor, Dr. Dominic DeMore. Who's your fighter? So the first game, Raiden. I was a huge, huge Raiden guy. Second game was Reptile, because, like, I got to. But, like, yeah, Raiden, first game, yeah, he's my favorite. Raiden is pretty a, sweet. Yeah, a god playing as a mortal. And in this movie, the white savior god clearly, like, oof. <laughs> That didn't age well at all. I was like, wow, the Shaolin monks worship their god, <laughs> who's like Belgian or French or something. Th their god, Christophe Lambert. <laughs> the Highlander. He's, he can do no wrong, so it's I think it's perfect casting. Um, and I'm your host, Michael Huntone. Uh, my fighter would be, I was a big Sub-Zero guy, but I really loved Scorpion because the, the spear, the get over here, and all that was... That was, I really like the quotes and uh, what we're covering tonight, it has a lot of great quotes in it. So uh, it's fitting that that's kind of my guy. So uh, let me jump into it. Just a real brief intro. If you can't tell, uh, we're going to talk about a really fun movie tonight. The so, Seventh Seal by Ingmar Bergman. The, <laughs> 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 yes. So there was this movie. Um, now, nah, all right. So let's get in. Let's set our scene here. In the early 1990s, fighting video games like Tekken and Street Fighter were exploding across the arcades and consoles around the world, but none exploded onto the scene with more brutality and gore than our, our 
Mortal Kombat! Seeking to cash in on this midway game's hit, New Line Cinema cashed their chips on a regular, a relatively new director to find success where no other video game movie adaptation had before to convert buckets of digital blood to buckets of cold, hard cash. The resulting film, 1995's Mortal Kombat, which I guess that's what we're talking about. I jumped the gun on the movie before when I was talking about the game, but 1995's Mortal Kombat. Yes! Uh, a movie about a game inspired by Marvel martial arts movies, especially Bloodsport that we talked about previously, would return the favor and give the 1990s a super-hyped action classic that would set the new, a new standard for video game movies, inspire countless future waves of the game itself, and even give us the first ever platinum album for an EDM record. So this is our movie tonight, a movie for all of us of a certain age who, uh, as we've all talked about, of that... Uh, middle-aged generation this was like right in the peak of our teen years so uh yeah let's get it tonight we're talking about i think for most of us a big movie uh mortal Kombat. but i want to start guys because this is a video game movie and i think we can't really separate like games the game from the movie or maybe we i don't know we, we can talk about that too but i'm just interested in hearing from you guys kind of what was your connection to uh and i'll let you answer this how you want to either fighting games in general or Mortal Kombat specifically, uh, or if you really had no connection, you came to this movie first through just the movie. Uh, you know, what was kind of your connection coming into Mortal Kombat that day in 1995, assuming you saw it back then. So uh, who wants to jump in first? Wow. Okay, I'm gonna Everybody jump in at once. I'm, I'm going to do it then. <laughs> I, I got a lot to say, and I was hoping that other people would go first, because, like, I, so, oh, this movie. So, like, <laughs> set the stage for I us. I set the stage. So, what like, we're doing right now. It's 1995. I'm, like, 14 or 15 years old. I freaking love this movie. It is a perfect example of targeted marketing, because, like, the 90s, a lot of, like, I remember in the 90s, I felt like they were swinging back from the 80s, and, like, movies comic books video games everything was getting dark you know like comic books they got rid of the comics code so they were more violent the crow was a big movie in theaters all gothy and like fighting games mortal Kombat. that was like the bloodiest game so like the what a 14 year old would think is adult that was really they targeted that to me and i i bought it like crazy and I went to see this movie, and I absolutely loved it. What I loved about it, too, is as far as a video game movie, like video game movies, they're about um, being recognizable. They're about recognizing characters from the video games in the movie. And that's where, like, they all, that's the ones that fall short, that's why they fall short, is because they don't have things you recognize. Like, take the Super Mario Brothers movie, for example. That movie looks nothing like Super Mario. It looks nothing like it. Uh, it, it doesn't, you know, and it sucked. But in this game, you had all the characters. They looked relatively similar. They did all of their moves. Like, who cares that the dialogue was, atro like, atrocious and that the, the scenery looked like 
a sandals if it was de- decorated by Spirit Halloween. It, it doesn't matter. It's <laughs> which it does. It looks like everything's made of like foam latex spray painted that, with black and gray. Perfect description. Yeah, like it's just so cheesy and so hammy. But like, I went there to see Sub Zero. I went there to see Scorpion. I went there to see Liu Kang. I went there to see Shang Tsung, and I got it. And they did it. You know, it wasn't like they gave hints. It wasn't like they gave a nod to the game. They're like, no, this is the video game plus a quote unquote plot and quote unquote acting. Boom. (laughs) Enjoy. And that's that's beautiful. Uh, That's a beautiful thing. It is. Well, and you've laid out a lot of threads that I plan to come back to, especially the quote unquote plot and quote unquote acting. Um, so you, so did you play the game a lot? Like before you, were you like a diehard, like I love Mortal Kombat and you went to see it because of that? Or was it like, I'm just kind of vaguely aware it's out there. Like what was kind of your, when you first saw it was like, did you really have a relationship with the game before? So I played Mortal Kombat two, a lot more than Mortal Kombat one, but I had enough exposure to it. But honestly, the movie just looked sick. It just looked really cool. Like it is, you know, it was like, This is a video game on screen. They've never done this right before. I hope they do it right. And they did. Right. For right. the reasons that I said. Right. It's not Citizen Kane, but it's not supposed to be Citizen Kane. My mother mm, would sure. hate this movie. Good. <laughs> it's not for her. It was for 15-year-old me. And I love it for that. <laughs> well, That's sad. true. And I mean, one of the movies that you brought up, one of those movies, Mario, Mario Brothers was one of those movies that came out, I think, two or three years before this, maybe, and was a tremendous failure. And kind of, I know when New Line started putting this movie together, there was a lot of questions like, you're making a Mortal Kombat? Even I think Midway, when they approached him, were like, you're really going to make a movie out of this? Like, it just, it was, nobody thought you could do it. But I, again, we'll, we can get into more of that later. Jay, what was your experience kind of going into this movie? What was your, what was your, Mar- your Mortal Kombat connection? The reason I was uh, sort of quiet is because I, I thought, you know, I wanted that Dom Thunder to because I know his passion for this movie. But <laughs> but uh, I, yes, I don't I don't have a lot of passion for this. I um I don't know. I don't feel like I came online until I was like a teenager in terms of like pop culture. I, I had a weird upbringing, but we'll get into that at in another episode. So, I you know, if this was at, <laughs> you know, my my friend's house, we'd be playing video games and this was on. I, you know, I'd, I'd play it or I'd see it in arcade or something like that. And, but very minimal. And I, and I somehow missed the movie at a young age. So that's why this is, I only caught it within the past, I'd say 10 years or so. Then I rewatched it when the new one came out and then I rewatched it for this. So it's definitely growing on me, but I'm, uh, you know, unfortunately not like super nostalgia about it. Cause I, I didn't have that experience. So I will be the, the other side of the coin of Dom. For nothing this wrong one. with that. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I want to apologize is what I'm saying. Very. <laughs> yeah. No apologies uh, necessary. Never, There's never. Genuine gri- you can, you can have some genuine gripes about yeah. this movie. They're very I, easy to see. I kind <laughs> of enjoyed it a lot, though. So, But we'll get to that. Yeah, honestly, Jason, I feel like this is your kind of movie. You like, you like, uh, you know, exploitation movies. You like, some sh- you definitely like, you like schlock, especially dated schlock. And this yes. is pretty schlocky. I wow. honestly was right. like the the biggest thing were as the movie's going on, whether it was reptile or or Raiden's effects, where I was like, our '90s CGI is is that charming now? Uh, that was my biggest like thing. I was like, because you know, at the time, I I 
you know, that type of thing where I would see it. Like, you know, you see something like Terminator 2 and how good, you know, Cameron had those like liquid effects with the T-1000, whereas this is right. like the opposite side of that coin. And, I, you know, right. I, in well, the day I'd be bitching about it, but now I'm like, that's kind of charming when Reptile comes out of, <laughs> um, I don't know what he does, but it's it's absurd, bad CGI, but I'm like looking at it right. like, like a quaint, like, oh, look at that. So- that's right. Sorry, right. sidetrack. Right. Well, you might you might be no. This is this is all. It's all relevant, Matt. Okay. Yes, Jay. <laughs> no, call me man. I like that. Um, and this is not a this is not a drunken podcast episode. I, anyways, um, you might be surprised to know that the director for this, Paul Anderson, uh, this is really his first big film, and he had zero visual effects experience before this. Like he literally said that he went out and got like every book he could from the library about visual effects and like CGI and stuff and just read them all and figured it out on set. So <laughs> I don't think it's, that's part of why you see a difference between, right? Like James Cameron and T2 and- Right, Reptile there's obviously this. a disconnect well, we there get... between James Cameron and, and <laughs> let's say Paul W.S. Anderson so people don't get confused. Yes, Paul Thomas. Uh, true, not P-T-A. There you this go. This is P-W-S-A. This both sounds who, like a public works project. Yeah, they both worked with New Line in the 90s. Also, quickly, and I'll, I'll stop a second, but let's pour one out for like 1990s New Line cinema. Whenever I see that come on the screen, I just get so excited because, you know, like in the 80s, yep. you know, it's, you know, quote unquote, the house that Freddie built because they, they started with all that. All right. And then obviously they sort of cashed right. their chips out with Lord of the Rings in 2000. But that 90s period. Right of New Line in Bob Shea running it, I guess he always ran it, but like we would get like Seven yeah. and like Menace to Society and Friday and obviously the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which we're excited yep. to cover too. Yep. I just, I have such, anytime yep. I see that logo, I just like immediately almost get giddy. So um, they were just taking some right. chances that I don't think, um, you know, obviously like a major studio like Warner Brothers who would eventually buy them would do. So um, I just love seeing right. that logo. Right. I do. I almost think that, you know, and it's kind of funny because this movie, as far as the game, kind of carries a torch and there's a lot of connections to Bloodsport. We've talked yes. about that a little bit before. There's a lot there's a lot ripe for us to connect in this movie as well. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think Bloodsport comes out of that great canon canon from the 870s, 80s. Like those are the great ones Then it really felt like in the 90s. New line was create so many as same thing, right? Like when I see that logo, it connects to me like oh, Ninja so Turtles, Mortal Kombat. Yes. Right. Like these were all the movies that as a teenager, you know, a you know, a preteen, they meant so much to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, and Mortal Kombat's one of them. So, you know, my kind of background with it is that uh, yeah, I love the game. I played the game a lot. I was a huge Street Fighter guy. And then I found out like there's this game where you can rip people's spines out. <laughs> and uh, and I had to do that because I always had to be the most extreme. And I'm like, well, you could rip someone's heart from their chest and you could take your face off and blow fire on them. And I'm like, you got to play this thing. So, uh, yeah, so I was huge into the game and was super excited when the movie came out. And this movie for me in my teenage years, this was my comfort movie. Like this is if I'm home and I just want to like, chill relax or like i just put this on and the soundtrack too was really big too like me and my buddies would just like drive around playing this con this soundtrack and really the the immortals song repeatedly over and over and over and like just shout out the window like because this is when you grow up in a small town 
the stupid crap you get up to until you other substances. And, uh, you know, we just drive around our small town yelling out the windows of the cows and stuff. So this is like a really near and dear place to me. Um, but it's funny, I don't think I'd watched it in at least like 15 years until we started talking about it. So it's interesting to come back to it now. But as we've all, all kind of said, like, I don't think any of us are going to sit here and say this is, as Tom said, this is no Citizen Kane. But uh, there's there's a certain amount of charm. Um, but uh, there's many ways you could take this. Uh, Matt, what was, what's your kind of, what was your introduction to Mortal Kombat? Um, I, I was the kid that wasn't allowed to play it um so i snuck it loser yeah i wasn't allowed to play mortal Kombat, and i wasn't allowed to watch the simpsons i was that kid um i had i had my ugly kid joe tape taken away oh, that'll tell you um, ugly kid joe. and now you watch exploitation films like almost for a living i was like, gonna say this yeah almost like it's my job right <laughs> Right. Rebellion? I, yeah, I guess. Maybe. Making up for lost time. Exactly. Exactly. I, I had to take a different name because we were going to show a movie called Porno at the film festival. Anyway. Um, yeah. So I snuck it. I rented the, the game on the Sega Genesis um, from Wegmans one weekend when mom was working. Um, and it was great. The auspicious thing about the Sega Genesis version of the Mortal Kombat game, I don't know. Does anybody know? No. It was the only one that had red blood. Yeah, oh, the Super Nintendo yes, one right, had sweat. Right. It yeah, had it was, sweat, which is just gray blood, basically. It, it was either gray or green, depending right, on yeah. the character in, in Super Nintendo. But Sega didn't fuck around. They, they just went in and put the blood in. They also had Technocop. Anybody remember Technocop? That was the game where you'd shoot a guy with like an exploding bullet, and it, they'd just turn into a no. quivering, quivering pile of intestines. It was dope. It's amazing. Oh, now I so, want to play that. Yeah. I'm sure the game now is terrible, but at the time it was like, you know, pretty great. You know, you're 12 and sucking down Mountain Dews and just blowing people's intestines out of their faces. It was great. Um, so, yeah, that was my connection to Mortal Kombat. And then, you know, in 95, I, I was in there do well. So I just went to the movie theater a lot and snuck yeah. in to watch that. Very nice. Do you remember what nice. you bought a ticket for to get into that? I don't. I don't. I, the, the the late nineties are kind of a hazy time in my life, <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll say it was. Hold uh, on. I'm pulling up a list because I want to make a suggestion. Why don't we say it was Suburban Commando? Uh, it was, was probably there. Showgirls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another great We're martial arts movie. I, like. I I unapologetically love Showgirls. By the way, that's a different. Episode. A lot of people do. Yeah. But yeah. that Kyle McLaughlin. That's all you need. Being a creep. That whole movie is just so over the top stupid. Right. It's great. <laughs> so are, are you are any of you upset since you have more? And it's a Verhoeven. So there you go. Yeah. Any you know, you have such a connection to the game or, or somewhat connection to the game that the, the movie is, you know, PG or I mean, maybe PG-13. Are you sad that there's no graphic violence or you're just happy that you got this movie in 1995 as as close or as, you know, near to the game as you could get in 1995? Well, I was 15, so like, and my parents, they they clearly weren't like the Gestapo, like Matt's, but like they were not really down with me watching. If I was gonna, so at 15, they were like, if you're gonna watch an R-rated movie, it should be a good movie. It shouldn't be schlock. Like, like I, because I remember when I was growing up as a kid. Like even when I was in third grade, I have vivid memories of the kids being like, my older brother let me watch, you know, Freddy or Jason or whatever. And I was like, I don't have an older brother. My mom's a French teacher. So guess what? I haven't seen those damn movies. 
Okay. <laughs> you know, so when I was like older and they were like, okay, you like movies, you're old enough. We want you to watch good R-rated movies, of which there are many, right? So like the Shawshank Redemption, R-rated, great movie. So, you know, you get what I'm saying. Um, R-rated? Is it? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, I think so. For sure. Yeah. Probably, but, like, if not. You know, the not, problem is I'm just I'm used to watching it on like TNT on a Saturday at two o'clock. So, <laughs> yeah, watching it right. like unedited. There's some prisony stuff they reference. Uh, you can fall in the blanks. Um, yeah. So and, and yeah, so it's not Oz, but it's not TNT. It's about anyway, not the point. So like it's, it's not padding, it's somewhere between Oz and Paddington 2. There you so, go. <laughs> right in that sweet spot. So I kind of lost my train of thought. So anyway, I'm like, okay, so yes. like if I, I was can actually do that like, once per episode down. I, I don't have to argue with my parents to see this movie. It's PG 13. Oh, I'm just gonna go see it. And right. also like I don't know. I was I have low standards. I feel like I feel like kids nowadays are spoiled. Kids are spoiled when someone says they're going to make a movie about a pop pop, you know, medium. These kids nowadays are like, it better be exactly what I expect it to be. It better be just like the source material on every friggin' way. Right. Back in the 90s, I will take it even being remotely similar to what I do. Like, seriously, like nowadays they're like, oh, why isn't the comic book character in the latest MCU movie wearing exactly his outfit? Why isn't his origin exactly the same? (laughs) Like Conan the Barbarian had nothing to do with the Conan the Barbarian comic book when it came out. Like the fact that Mortal Kombat had all the characters and they fought and they looked remotely similar to the game. I was like, this is unprecedented. It really was, you know. Like I said, nowadays, people want Wolverine in yellow spandex. But, like, you know, back then, like, the fact that they tried even remotely to take a video game property and make it a movie that is somewhat visually and character-wise similar. Like, when when Scorpion takes off his mask and his skull and he blows fire, I'm like... I'm like, thank you. Yep. I'm like, yeah. thank you. Thank you so much. You make a good point too, Don, because of the, the new one that just came out in 2021 last year, like I, I saw it and it was R rated and you know, I, I don't remember most of it. So this was way more memorable. Yeah, and I don't remember. Yeah. So what you're saying yeah, makes sense. Yeah. I see. I wonder, do you think it, do you th- oh, go ahead, Matt? Th- this is where I'm going to, I'm going to be the naysayer, right? Oh, interesting. I'm going to jump like in and it, say 2021 Mortal Kombat is quality wise a better movie. Interesting. It, it is. It is a better made After movie. Watch. I don't know if it's a more entertaining movie. I will say that. Now, this is the point, Jay. Exactly. It, it is not <laughs> right. more entertaining. But I also think it, it's through the gaze of nostalgia that we feel like this is more entertaining than 2021 Mortal Kombat. Right. Because 20, 2021 Mortal Kombat, I think I watched like three times. Um, Eric Myra from Fright Rags is obsessed with it and watched it. I think he said about 18 times. Oh, my God. Like he just he got <laughs> nice. to the end of it on oh, HBO man. Max and went right back to the beginning again. It was that malignant. He like looped. Oh, that's those two movies. Good for him. Um, Great ad, great, yeah, great description. I, Malignant. I, I, I love to it. talk to him. <laughs> so, but well, yeah, I, I think yeah, yeah. film-wise, like if you just set them next to each other, the action is better. The fighting might be a little bit better. You've got a little bit better actors in it. Yeah, um, that's true. But yeah, 
1995 Mortal Kombat, I think, really works to the source material better. Because Mortal Kombat, like my my recollection of it, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mortal Kombat was always kind of tongue in cheek, you know. And that right, this movie, if you watch it, Tom, you said the word schlock a bunch, and it nails it. Like it's schlock. It, it knows oh, yeah. exactly what it is. It's not going to be like Mortal Kombat 2021 is a high budget martial arts film, like really decent effects and everything else like goro looks like he's made out of play-doh in this like but it knows what it is and it's got its tongue in cheek and i think that's why it's a more entertaining movie i um, i agree with you matt right. i agree with you 100 percent. i saw the new mortal kombat movie and okay i i do have a bias i feel like everything needs to be i feel i i get a little annoyed because i feel like all modern blockbuster movies also need to be epics they need to be three hours friggin long and have a bunch of characters (laughs) and crazy set pieces and everything looks like they have spent a gajillion dollars on it and i think that takes away from it and i agree with you 100 percent like i you know like for example this is this happens in the beginning of the new Mortal Kombat movie. Sub Zero kills Scorpion's family and kills him. That's the premise that happens in the first video game. Right. Uh, that's actually one of the premises. But in the new Mortal Kombat movie, it's like this big drawn out plot, and I'm like, I, I don't really want an emotional connection with Scorpion. I want him to say get over here and just drag the guy over. Like <laughs> right. I don't want that. I mean, I feel bad for his family, and I, you know, and I'm like, come on, like, right. like I don't want any of that. Like you, like if you're gonna take gratuity and not have the rest of the movie be somewhat tongue in cheek, then it seems it's like Uncanny Valley, and I think that's what the new movie does. Whereas this movie, they're like. They did as much gratuity as they could get away with, with the way it right, was written. Right. And they're like, this is the movie. It's, it's about, it's called Mortal Kombat. It's misspelled for Christ's right. sake. You're not, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I agree with you 100%, Matt. Uh, and I found the new movie to be forgettable. I thought there were too Me many too. plot devices. I thought there was too much going on. I thought there was way too much exposition that I gave yes. zero fucks about. Yes. You know, I just, come on, cut to the chase. Because it needs yeah. to set up a cinematic universe, and that's well, the other thing with these exactly new, right, new too, movies yes. is that they're going to make twelve of them. Right. So, you know, it, it's that. Well, thing. yeah. The the nineteen ninety five version though is definitely trying to set something up though with that that ending there. <laughs> just like so, it's it's sort of the same. Oh, we're, and that yeah, that is what I pin in the ending because we're yeah. going to come back to that ending. Okay. I, I right, love the there, ending so much. Some, so yeah, I I'm some, excited I have to talk some about issues that. With that. Okay. I do, but I, yeah, we're. I, yeah, we're definitely going to get into that. I yes. so go like, and I purposefully did not rewatch 2021. I right, I can remember almost nothing about that. Movie. Same here. I mean, I remember enjoying it and being like, yeah, this is what I expected out of it. But there was nothing, nothing that I remember out of it. But the interesting thing is that so again, you know, I've said I love the 95 movie, and but I remember like, I remember the fights. Uh, like, there's a lot that I didn't remember, and what I was surprised watching it now. I forgot that, like, again, I went into the game for the blood. The I wanted, I couldn't wait to learn how to rip somebody's spine out, you know, and how to, mm-hmm. like, transform into a dragon and eat someone. And there's none of it in it. Like, all of, because they wanted to get into that, like, fit under PG-13, no human deaths occur on screen, except for, I guess, kind of the Sonya, like, give me a break thing. Uh, but otherwise, like we don't get any spine rips, heart rips, 
uh, like face melting. At least like Sub-Zero, we get like the, he blows the fire at him, but it's not a fatality. But it's interesting that like, but I don't remember that. Like clearly I wasn't disappointed by that at the time. And it was more going back now that I, that I was like, I thought I remembered Sub-Zero like ripping somebody's spine out. And yeah, that's not in the movie. And now I wish like, I wish they had just went all the way and said, screw it. This is, this is our, and we're going to start, you know, we're going to do some Kali Ma heart ripping out. Uh, but yeah, I like know, a- again, this was, a, you know, they're trying to hit a wide audience and, right. you know, and it did. I mean, this thing was like number one in the box office for three weeks when it came it out. It made, made 10 oh, times oh, loads of money. its budget. 10 times. It was like, what, 12 million and it made like $122 million. Like, yep. yep. Like, oh my god and that's why it's pg-13 because i mean if you think about 95 and our rated movies are, were your parents gonna go see this no or like no did you did you know any older kids that would be like like 22 year olds like your older cousins blake let's go see mortal Kombat. no it, it was, right, right it was all of us 15 16 year old miscreants like yeah right, right. and to your point mike you thought that you saw that happen in the movie so your memory of the right. movie made it way cooler so you didn't yeah. have to do it right exactly exactly it's right and it's not even like yeah i watch it now and i'm kind of like oh man i i feel robbed a little bit but not i mean clearly like it had cool stuff they did what they could within the you know the realms of that and i could yeah. go find videos of the game or an emulator i guess of the game and do my spine rip in there well I, there I, you go I think if you look at it in the context of other video game movies that had come out or were coming out around the same time uh, right. The the Mario Brothers movie, the the Ooh. Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo Mario Brothers. Oh movie? yeah, that was yeah. We, yeah, we were right. talking about that. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> so you had that and and Street Fighter, right? You probably already brought that up too. No, Street Fighter came out after Mortal Kombat, I believe. It came out. Yeah, it was. I think it was slightly after, but around the same. Yeah, with time, Raul that, Julia. Yeah. yeah, I've never actually seen that. I heard it was an abortion. Right. In his last role, it's it's sad that that was what he ended on. He brings it though. He he does. <laughs> yeah, he's going for it, which I. So the in- what, what what was the line? So for, the in- for, for you, it was the day that we wiped out your entire family. For me, it was Tuesday. That's one of the <laughs> yeah. baddest fucking things I've ever heard in a movie. And, it was and he delivers oh, it. Yeah. Man. He kills yeah. it. So yeah, so Street, Street Fighter came out the That's... year before. So Street Fighter was ninety four. No. no way. Yeah, oh, man. I didn't realize that. Yep. Okay, if we're going to well, talk funny, about performances, uh, right. if we if we can talk about performances for a second, can we talk about okay. yeah, Shang Song? Shang Song is incredible. What's his name? Carrie Hiroyuki Car- uh, Tagawa. Carrie Tagawa. Yeah, Carrie Tagawa. Tagawa. He he's amazing. He's amazing. First of all, his face, the facial expressions the man makes throughout this movie. Your soul is mine. And by the way, if you've seen the listening to this and you've seen this movie, you have a picture in your head right now. You know you do. That yep. gif is everywhere. It's like, oh, it's so good. He's so over the top. He's so good. I love every second that he's in the movie. He plays a superb, superb villain. Like, it's great. I, mean, I feel he like he recreated the role. Like, yeah. Yeah, he then after just, that, they designed Shang Tsung in like all the following games on him. More like him, right? Yeah, I read that yeah. too. That's interesting. Same thing happened with Kano, right? Right. Right. Because yeah. Kano was originally, so that's a fun. So Kano was originally, I think, Japanese is how I think it was a Japanese actor. So that's one of the interesting things about the game, too, right? That they had like actors that they motion captured 
like so the game it's almost like video like and at the time it was really it was very real yeah the sprites right? are based the and, sprites that they use were based on photographs i believe that's right what the basis was right and uh so it was a japanese guy and then um was it terry oh i'll get a good art i should i don't have it in front of me because i'm looking at uh carrie tagawa's ridiculous uh imdb his film credits but uh uh so anyways our guy that played kano in the movie he won he speaks with a cockney accent but people just assume it's australian it's very australian sounding i have no like it's it's a mystery where is he from right so in future versions one they made kano look like him from the movie um but then also they like retcon re to his story to have him be australian and the guy who like died tragically fairly young um like told people like he basically went around is like saying he's australian just to like basically get off the recognition from this so like it's funny that like the game copied him and then he changed his life to copy the game and again but right all these people created all these iconic roles and uh yeah i was looking at like carrie tagawa and am i saying this right like yeah carrie tagawa uh he had his first role in (laughs) this relates to a side conversation we don't necessarily need to get into here but uh he was his first role was in big trouble in little china and he was also in Showdown in Little Tokyo that I once told Jason. I always got those movies confused because of the names, and he couldn't believe. But then it's it related some. Yeah, this is this is another time. Eventually, yes, right, right. Eventually, before too long, we have to do Big Trouble in Little China. So we'll I'll I'll lay my soul bare when we get to that movie. But okay, he, he's been in a. There's ton a of reckoning. Stuff. There's a reckoning right. coming. Pack coming. a lunch for that one because I'll talk for an hour and a half about that movie. Oh, easy. I can't. Me too. Yeah, that's, so that's my all time favorite. That's that'll be coming very soon. So New to some that. of us. Uh, spoiler alert. By the way, Carrie oh, Tagawa. If you haven't a... seen Man in the High Castle, oh, yes. he's in that. Yes, he's he is not. So I'm roles, a big right? fan of dystopia and dystopia and alternate reality and that kind of and, uh, post-apocalypse kind of stuff. I'm really a big fan of that, and that's a very good show. If you think it's on Amazon, if I don't recall, I think so. Yeah, he's the best character in it and you know what he plays entirely different like the character of shang sung is like mustache twirling villain and he plays this very reserved traditional japanese man and it's just the range that that man has like seriously like i think this movie would be half the movie without him like i I, i'm he does yeah yeah, i agree with you yeah he had i think even before this movie i think he's well aside from the honorable mr christopher lambert is the most recognizable character actor in this film um and yeah his like if you look at his imdb page yeah just ridiculous all kinds of stuff uh you know of course he's been in a couple different um mortal combats uh he was in electra um that planet of the apes the rerun the 2001 was that Wahlberg? that's that the Wahlberg. Yeah, you name any good movies i named a good yeah, tv right. show at least <laughs> like <laughs> Uh, You're a terrible like, publicist, man. I know. I know. You know, I'll, I'll stop destroying his legacy. Just trust me. Yeah, geez, he's been man. in a lot of stuff, and I'll uh, I'll start bringing in like Nash Bridges and yeah. Soldier Boys. Okay. And, Can we talk you, about Christopher you, Lambert though? Can we? Talk yeah, let's talk about Christopher Lambert. Christopher Lambert. Let's talk about Christopher Lambert. So, like, Christoph. Lambert. Lambert. He's blind. I had no idea. He's blind. 
What? But he's he almost legally that. blind. What? Yeah. Recently really... or forever? Recently. Recently. He wasn't. Okay. No. Okay. He wasn't okay. blind. He, made, uh, he wasn't that. blind in Highlander. He's not. <laughs> like he seemed really. He, seemed he really is good, good at it. I mean, I mean, he has extreme myopia. <laughs> and when he does his own, not metaphorically, literally, and like supposedly when he does his own stunts, it's like he's really putting his life on the line. Like, yeah. So I, I, I thought that was interesting. But um. You know, it's funny. It didn't age well. I feel like they whitewashed the character of Raiden. Yep. Mm-hmm. But besides that, I like it. Like, it's just like he plays like this kind of like fourth wall breaking wink at yeah. the screen. Like when he goes, <laughs> when he goes. <laughs> that's he the, goes yeah, that's, that's what I've been trying to do throughout the episode. I'm like, <laughs> would anybody get it? And I'm like, <laughs> I can't do it. It's, and then it's he goes, great. Sorry. Like he apologizes. <laughs> like, like right. he's just, this, he's like, he's supposed to, he's basically an Asian, not, he's not, not Asian, Asian Thor, which right. is what, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's just, oh, you know, yeah. And it's just so, yeah. But, um, you know, it was just like, when I saw him. I'm like, Oh my God, I know that guy. That's the Highlander. I actually didn't know his name. I was like, it's either Tarzan or the Highlander, but like, yeah, he's, he's great. He's, well, that's uh, the thing. It's like, you almost want to, you know, it has that cringy value because he's he's a white actor, but he, he has such a personality and he kind of knows what movie he's in and he's just having fun with it. And right. he just kind of like, you know, un- you know, whether it's good or bad, you let go of those preconceptions. You're like, he's 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 really good as Raiden. Mm, yeah, he is. Oh, and and it- didn't they say I, I sorry, Mike, to interrupt you, but the the um, creator of the video game even was like, OK, he, he does a pretty good job, which, again, whitewashed, oh, yeah. not cool. But but even the, the right. creator of the video game was like, hey. He's pretty damn good. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I remember this was like a way that I got to like watch it because my dad is a huge, huge Highlander fan, which that's another movie. I know we have some future plans for covering that movie. And oh, man, that's going to be a blast. That that movie is like a central part, another central part of my childhood. But uh, not to digress. Um, so that was an era where I'm like, Dad, Chris Lambert's in this movie. He's like, all right, well, let's check this out. Um, oh, did you watch and, it you with know, my- your dad, Mike? I did. And he loved it. Oh, like, nice. he, yeah, yeah, awesome. my dad likes this kind of stuff. Um, but he, uh, so it was interesting when I was looking at this, like getting him on the role, he's obviously, he is the big name in this movie. Yes. And I was reading that, like when they paid him, they only paid him enough. Like that they, they got, it wasn't like a shoestring budget, but it also was like, this wasn't James Cameron money. So like they only paid him enough to do like some, like a few days worth of work. So they're like, we'll just do close-ups of you for like three days and then we'll do a body double on like, they really had to like, they filmed this in Thailand, I think for most of it. And like they, it was literally like on an Island that they had to take a boat out to, to film all this stuff. And I guess Lambert heard that they were doing this and he's like, well, I'm just going to go. Like that would be stupid for you to have a body double for me. And he just went like with no extra pay, traveled out there with him, did all the scenes. And then he paid for the rap party at the end. And everyone is like, Oh, he's like, even Anderson was saying like, you know, I was kind of nervous. This is my first big role or this is my first big film that I'm at the helm of. And, you know, I, and Chris Lambert was really, was really supportive and helpful and guided everybody through this. So, so there, even though like, yeah, the characters whitewashed, there's part of knowing like, wow, he really was a good dude and he did a lot of stuff for this movie at no cost. I'm like, all right, I'll give this a bit, like whatever their decision, like he seemed like he was a pretty good guy and did it well. And again, he made, uh, he made some really iconic lines in this movie, right? Yeah, he has a lot. Speaking of that, I would love to know 
what were some of your guys' picks? Because this is a movie that has a lot of lines. And the fun part is, apparently there was almost like no dialogue written for this movie. So Anderson was just like, just go with it, guys. So it's all, it's almost all ad-libbed. So we get some, we get some real dingers out there. I'd love to, you guys have any favorites? Anything Kano says. Anything Kano <laughs> says. Oh, <laughs> well, look at this, baby. Take a, a big smile on your partner from air to air. And I'm like, what accent is that? He sounds ridiculous. That, everyone's <laughs> accents in this movie is, just go all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Lambert is either from Brooklyn, Belgium, France. <laughs> it, go, it goes around. It goes around. Like, yeah, he goes from like Bugs Bunny to Pepe Le Pew in like eight seconds. I don't understand it. <laughs> Robin Show Show, I think his name Show. He he does. He's pretty solid. Like he he yeah, does. No, a, I good. think he's a solid Liu Kang. Like I definitely could connect right, right. with the character. He's a little goofy. But like he he's there to fight and he's he's there on a quest for vengeance. And and by the way, Lyndon Ashby's Johnny Cage is great. He's great. It's great. I love Johnny Cage. Like it's everything. He's just he's just this stuck up dick and it's perfect. Let yeah, me, so like I oh sorry, Mike, I was just gonna say quickly, um that's sort of the one of the things that kind of put me off of it for a while was I, I kinda love going back to, you know, older movies and seeing actors I love and other than, you know, Lambert, there, there isn't much, you know, for me in terms of my, my history with movies. So um, yeah, that's sort of the thing I struggle with is like, I, I kind of don't know any of these actors other than like, you know, Billy Madison's girlfriend. Um, oh, Veronica Vaughn. Yes. So yeah. hot. Want to touch the hiney. <laughs> exactly right. So that's sort of like what I was connected to as a kid. Like, I don't know any of these people. I'm kind of. So, yeah. And then also, Mike, I think what you're going to get to is who originally they wanted Johnny Cage to be, because that's who the character is based on. That um, was not where I was going to go. Oh, okay. but you, can abso- you can absolutely go there. OK, I'll, I'll quickly go there and then we'll, we'll, we'll redirect. But um, I guess the video game is actually based on, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And they wanted him to play the character because, yep. you know, it's based on him. So it's like, you know, perfect. Uh, but he was, I guess, it, from what I read, he was busy with Street Fighter, Street Fighter already. He picked that movie. So yep. it's like, I don't know, like when you're looking at a list of, you know, you know, because all these directors or, you know, producers have a wish list of actors. So right. it's like, OK, so we can't get Jean-Claude like. Let's get Lyndon Ashby instead. So I, right. I have a, But but like Dom, you were just saying he he definitely sells it and. He does on on screen like the three leads. I would say, um, you know, Veronica, who I, let, let's give her her proper name is Bridget, Bridget Wilson. Wilson. Bridget yes. Wilson, the human Brad doll. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so when whenever they're on screen alone, I'm kind of like, eh, but they have genuine charisma when they come together, kind of midway through the movie, and they're kind of you know hanging out and making plans to do the next part of the movie. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> this works. Like if if there's more than one of them on screen, I'm I'm on board. And and the lead is actually terrific too. Is it is it Robin Chow? Is that Robin Chow? I, right? I think Thank that's how I pronounce much, it. Yes. Yeah, so they, they I mean, definitely if, win you over by the end for for someone who's, you know, like it's mid-90s. I'm looking, again, I, I'm not a good, you know, 90s child, like, cinephile. So I'm like, where's Matthew Lillard? Where's Jay Moore? Like, that's what I'm looking for at that point. So I'm right. not getting that. So this is, uh, man, you know. In an alternate universe, if Jay Moore plays Johnny Cage in this movie. That's what I mean. Oh, like, geez. That's something. <laughs> that's peak Jay Moore time frame. You, but so, also, you can't tell me that that Johnny Cage in this movie doesn't think that Lou Kang's name is it's like Lewis Kang. Like every time he's oh, like, yeah. Hey Lou. Hey Lou. 
Every well, first time. he first he thought he was a busboy or a porter because I guess any Asian guy walking down the walking on the dock is he must be a a porter, right? But that look, uh, led to a good bit of business when he threw the threw the luggage in the water. Right. Like it's just yeah. so yeah. So it's kind of hold like, on, hold on. Speaking yes, of sir. luggage, what were in the like eighty five bags he carried? What what were in those suitcases? A giant hair dryer. <laughs> like Tell, me you, get, tell me you get that reference. Come on. Come on. Uh, Spaceballs. You guys yeah. suck. I'm uh, I, just, uh, yeah. I quit. I, 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 I was with you. I, I was obviously dumb. Mike, I thought you were transitioning to fair. our first sponsor. I thought we had some weird luggage sponsor. I wasn't ready to <laughs> like, oh, we got our first sponsor. Let Mike talk. Wow. Oh, we wait, we Here we are. You know, if Samsonite, if you want to sponsor Punches and Popcorn, we're, we're a match made in heaven. Um, yeah, I, just the all the suitcases he had was with a ton of suitcases. Yes, it's, he's an actor, um, so they have suitcases. And if it's based on Van Damme, you. it's mostly cocaine, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Well, and oh, banana okay. hammocks, too, because he seems go. to like wearing those, too. Coke and banana uh-huh. hammocks, the 90s. <laughs> that is. That is. That Jean right Claude Van Damme that. story. Now, I want to correct you a little bit when you talked about and kind of threw some shade on Veronica Vaughn. Uh, let's talk. We need to honor Bridget Wilson for a second because she actually had. So her first four movies, I was looking, and I didn't realize this, her first four movies are freaking outstanding. Uh, this may be a best, like, first four seer in, like, nearly anyone I could think of. So her first role, last action hero. Second role... She was his daughter. Oh, my yep. God. You're right. Second okay. role, higher learning. Third role, Veronica Vaughn. Veronica freaking Vaughn. Mm-hmm. So hot. Want to touch the hiney. Thank you for and getting the shit out of me. And then we get Mortal Kombat. I'm like... Holy, and then, you know, she was in other movies and, oh, she married Pete Sampras. That's right. She was she, wow. Bridget Wilson no, Sampras. Yeah, Right. She is the wife of and has children with the greatest tennis player in all time in my eyes. Yeah. The, uh, the, the only better four film streak was John Cazale, you know, because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Godfather, The Conversation, Godfather 2, Dog Day Afternoon, Deer Hunter. But yeah, go off. Right. Well, uh, the problem. I just said four street. He's undefeated. <laughs> all right. Thanks, man. I wasn't ready for that at all. <laughs> oh, that was perfect. Well, regardless, she she did some good stuff. Um, oh, you're totally right. Okay, so so here's the thing. I'm also going to give her credit with with this. So I'm watching the movie, and I feel like, I mean, the director does his best to make the people who don't know how to fight look like they know how to fight. By the way, the guys that play Scorpion and Sub-Zero and Reptile, they clearly know how to fight. Liu Kang or Robin Show clearly knows how to fight. Uh, Kari Tagawa has a martial arts background. You can tell he can fight. Lyndon Ashby has, like... He has... I read his profile. He said he trains on and off. He has seen Um, a fight once. Yes. (laughs) So, like... He also he played Mortal okay. Kombat in arcades. Bridget Wilson kind of looks like she didn't know how to fight, right? And the director, to his credit, he cut the scenes in such a way that, like, for example, when Robin Show was fighting, you know, when, when, when Liu Kang was fighting Shang Tsung, they really, like, showed them fighting. And when Liu Kang was fighting that guy with, like, the pole, that was a great fight. And the reptile fight, best fight in the movie, 
hands down kick ass that's one of my oh, yeah. that is one of my favorite martial art movie fights side note wasn't in the original cut Did you right know that? Yes. reptile what? fight was not in the original cut so they really? showed so they showed the original cut to um, um what do you call it uh focus like a test groups? audience test yeah. audience and they're like wait this is a martial arts movie there should be more martial arts so they're like all right why don't we turn the lizard into a man and have them beat the shit out of each other for five minutes and damn Wow, that is one of them. That's one of my favorite yeah, fights in any movie. That's the best fight. Oh, it's so good, and they just beat the crap out of each other. That was a that was yeah. a that was a reshoot. But anyway, um, they do a lot more cuts. I noticed with Johnny Cage's fights, and they do a lot of cuts with um with Bridget Wilson's fights. So I'm like, oh, she doesn't know how to fight. They just picked her because she's pretty, and I got all like, rah, 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 rah. but what I found out is. Because they hired her while she was filming Billy Madison. Right. Everyone else was actually trained how to fight before the movie. All of her training was done on set. Right. She went out there with no training to fight these guys. And I heard they were going ham. So you know what? Like, she gets a gold star, in my opinion. If you don't know how to fight and they're like, oh, we'll teach you how to fight. Oh, wait, we don't have time. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, because well, at that point, it just turns into choreography, right? Like, just step right. here, step there. That's really all you can do. It's not like you're you're going to be able to defend yourself if anything goes sideways. Right. Yeah. Right. That, well, when Kano kicks her in the gut, I was like, oh, that's convincing. Ow. We <laughs> read at one point she dislocated her shoulder and just popped it back in and was like, oh, it doesn't hurt. So let's just keep going. Yeah. Good for her, man. Like, yeah. I, I gained new respect new respect for her she's not just she's not just really 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 pretty like she's like wow right very impressed yeah and my my comments about her was 15 year old jason bills not current jason bills who has a massive respect for her thank you (laughs) nice cover nice cover thank you uh no there's so there's two people really that i think we can thank for a lot of that fighting one of them is actually robin chow uh i because again anderson had like no experience filming anything like this i guess early in the filming he was doing the like far out shots like dom was talking about and robin chow prior to this was a experienced hong kong uh you know martial arts actor and it, right he shows it anytime he's in there like you can tell this is a guy he has the pedigree and and the character of luke kang is really was created for that type of role right so he fits right in and i guess he said like he's the one that went to Anderson was like, yo, you can't do all these big shots because like when you do that, and I, we've talked about this with other movies too, like it puts a lot on the actors. Like you have to fully connect. You have to, like, you can't hide things when you're doing these long full body shots. And he's like, and it takes a lot out of the, out of the stunt men and all that, because you know, they, but if you do these short, like close up, you can, you can hide like telegraph punches and you can break the fight scene down so that like, they aren't just doing this big long fight over and over again. And so he's the one that basically trained Anderson on how to film a fight scene. And then their fight coordinator for this movie, I believe, if I saw, was a guy that I was remiss we didn't get to talk about in the Karate Kid episode, uh, Pat Johnson, who oh. a legendary martial artist on his own. He was the uh, referee in Karate Kid and the trainer yeah. there. I'll have to put, uh, hopefully by the time this comes out, uh, I will have done, I will have honored Pat properly through social media, uh, but really a foundational guy. And he did a lot of the fight coordinating here. And just like Matt talked about before, it was a lot of, you know, look at, he would talk about how the fight scene is 
it's like it's a story in itself so looking at like blocking like well you have to move here 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 and ultimately the fight is to get a character from one space to the next and that he focused on if you do those cuts and just get the actors used to like all right i need to move here to here like the fight moves themselves will come and it's more about just moving in space like that and you're right like it's really impressive that wilson and again she was only 20 20 21 when she was filming this which is then crazy too to think like when she was veronica vaughn she was like 18 or 19 or something yeah 90s hollywood though That's right 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 yeah 90s i feel like 90s was a swing back from the 80s i feel like you watch an 80s movie and they're like he's 15 the guy looks like he's 27 in the 90s it's like oh she's 25 it's like that's not legal come on yeah because sandler Sandler had to be like 35 right true that's right the 80s everyone looked like 15 years older than they were Mm -hmm. like the day that i found out that norm and cheers was only like 35 in that, that show, it, it like yeah. I spent three days curled into a ball about <laughs> that, right? But like this is different. You're like, oh, Veronica Vaughn, she's 18 or 19 when she was mm, filming this, yeah. or Sonya here is 20. Like I guess I read that again. A lot of the filming, it was all like they're all just on this island together in Thailand, and she actually brought her mom with her, and she's like, Smart. yeah, when shooting is over, I would just go and hang out with my mom, where like other people go get loaded and have a party. She's <laughs> So I kind of respect her that I'm like, she was even at that age, like, yeah, I'm, I don't really need to get involved in that stuff. And I'm just going to do my own thing. So, um, you know, not to say I have some issues with Sonia as the character and how she's used in this movie. Um, that's another, I mean, let me just ask you guys, do you think that she is a good character in this movie? In what do you mean? That, like you her altruistic value or just like how they use her? <laughs> I was thinking how they use her. Oh, yeah. Underused. So so I liked how she was used up until the point where Shang Tsung takes her hostage. Then I'm like, dude, she's a badass. She's on a quest for vengeance to kill the asshole that killed her partner. I'm like, I'm in. She's badass. Good for her. Then they dress her in a sexy dress, tease her her hair, and, and tie her up. I was just like... What yeah, the that, hell? Was, that was unfortunate. Like, yeah. yeah, like, I mean, you were doing so well, everyone. I feel like there was like, you know, she was, I don't want to say a female role model. It seems a little ridiculous, but at least she was like, you know, respect. It seemed like some a character you could respect. And then they turned her into this damsel in distress. And I was like, it's garbage. Like, they could have approached it another way. Just my Agreed. Two yeah, for sure. That's why 2021 Mortal Kombat's better. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta rewatch it again. I definitely, I really like, I liked it a lot. I feel like I, uh-huh. so this is a funny thing that I remember my like, biggest complaint of 2021 was that I wanted like Mortal Kombat to be shouted like every five minutes. And I was like, <laughs> that's my memory of like 95. I swear they just shouted that out like every five minutes in the movie, but they actually don't. It's they just really don't. like, it's just really is the one fight scene that they have in like the dining hall. And then a couple times with like the final fight. But for some reason in my mind, I just remembered like, oh, they just shout out Mortal Kombat every five minutes. It's amazing. It's because they, uh, they mix in a bunch of the other video game stuff, though. Like when Reptile pops out and it's the voice from the video game, Reptile. Right. Like, yeah, it's yes. There, there's a bunch of that shit in there. And that's great. There is. There is. That's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to That shit's great. 
You know, people like love what are they, the terms Easter eggs, I believe is now yeah. the modern term. We didn't have that term back in 95. But this movie is riddled with Easter eggs, like cartons of Easter eggs. That was lame, I'm sorry. But you get what I'm saying. Like there's tons <laughs> of Easter eggs in this movie before Easter eggs were a thing. It's really kind of ahead of its time in that way. If this movie came out now, people be like, it's dumb, but I freaking love it. Like, you know. Yeah. Were there a lot of video game adaptions? Obviously, we've referenced Super Mario. Was was there much at the time other I than think, that? No. I think the only other big one prior to this was Double Dragon, and I that one is so forgettable. It yeah yeah. Well, that was like, the, the last Starfighter. Is that a is that a video game? No, I don't know if that, no, no, I don't think it, so. It was, it was about video games, but not a video game. Cloak and uh, Dagger had a tie-in video game. Right, but that wow. that came out same time. So, gotcha. Video game adaptations would have been Mario Brothers, and then Street Fighter, and then this, yep, and like, Double that's... Dragon. So, if you look at the other video game movies that came out, there was Double Dragon, which uh, dog shit. Um, <laughs> Super Mario Brothers, which there's a movie in there somewhere that's really good. It just got lost. Um, and and then Street Fighter, which. Outside of Raul Julia is a real pile of garbage. Um, I, I know there's like a cult following behind it now, but I don't. I, I have. I've never seen it. It's my it own, just looked terrible. Yeah, we'll have to cover it. At some we'll, point. we'll come back to it, and that's the one we'll, we'll bring KP from from Anomaly in on because she has strong feelings about both of these movies. But oh, nice. The thing about I just the thing about Street Fighter that bugs me is Guile is Van Damme, and that doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. Right. The all-American soldier guy is the muscles from Brussels. Right. There right. was there wasn't he, one blonde guy. Johnny Lawrence is out there. Billy Zabka is out there. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Like you could have brought him in. <laughs> that would have been smart. serious missed opportunity. And then Van Damme could have been Johnny Cage in this movie, I, I, and who that, he was written for. And and tell me that wouldn't have been. I, this, right. I, this movie would still be in the theaters. <laughs> If we could have seen Van Damme recreate the split nut shot instead of Lyndon Ashby, that would have been amazing. You're not kidding. He sells it, though. Like, I think Lyndon Ashby did a fine job. He does. He does great. Fine for the movie. Like, yeah, he's good. I still don't understand how his fighting, like, clearly it's a choice. His preferred fighting outfit is, like, Italian loafers, slacks, and a button down. Like he's got all these suit. I would assume somewhere in there he's got like like Muay Thai shorts and or at least a gi or something. But I guess he's real. Like Armani is his go-to for fight wear. You're hating on him, but he beats Goro. So he does. I mean, you can't. Right. And he he him beating Goro is comically easy. Like well, that's the thing. Like he split nut shots and runs away and then kicks him off a mountain. Yeah, let me quickly say uh, my I need to praise Goro in this because there is a lot of CGI in this, and I'm sure Goro is a, a lot of CGI, but he's also he is not no pr- uh, not pop, at all. Pop, I was pop, yeah. He is he is a he's one a million dollar animatronic that took like so, sixteen people to. But, but that's function. why I love it. I feel like like New Line Cinema like resurrected Jim Henson after he died and paid him some certain <laughs> money to get him on set, you know, and things were weird in heaven. Cause that's obviously where Jim Henson is. And he of just course. was like, made some dark stuff with Goro. And I, I absolutely love him. It's just this, you know, as an eighties person with practical effects, that was my sweet spot. So, you know, in this CGI laden movie, all of a sudden Goro shows up and it's like a, a sore thumb, but in the best way, I just like, even, even his ridiculous, 
um, facial expressions when he gets his nut shot there. It's just like, (laughs) I I couldn't be happier with Goro. Like he is the highlight of the movie for me. And Mike, you and I were talking earlier this week about how, how much we love the uh, Lord. This is way off topic, but the Lord of the Rings special edition discs back in the day. Like I I need like a three hour doc on how they made Goro. Like there's, there's no, there's no anything on these, blu-rays or dvds in terms of special edition but i I need like a fan doc of how goro happened because right and it's and it's it's pretty wild because like the guy that was the main puppeteer for it i read was the guy that was the like in the suit of the alien and alien three really and yeah and they said like the the person who again it was like 15 to 16 different people like controlling all different parts of him but there had to be someone in the suit and he could only be in there for up to two minutes max because otherwise wow. he'd basically suffocate. So they had to do all these shots and like, we can't have this guy in there for or more than die. two minutes. And I mean, it like, it looks great. I like, love it. I'm sorry. It's maybe cheesy now, but no, it's, I, I think it. it still holds like me effects. too. It, it looks a hell of a lot better than reptile. The, but it's like, like the, you said, the like dragon reptile, the dragon reptile looks I mean, it looks like someone that figured out CGI from right. reading a bunch of books at the library, right? Exactly. It's but they can't do cool. Right. He just basically do... got MS Paint and right, <laughs> and, and then had a party. Big screen. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, no, like like you were saying though, you can't really do much with Goro though, so that's why you know Johnny Cage is just right. You know, like uh, we're on a side of a mountain. I'm going to kick you off of it, and it's <laughs> we're going to film some of it. Like so, Wait, but but could you could you tell me though? Um, so there's a lot of so we get one of the things about this movie is like they're very insistent on making sure you understand names and significant plot points because they like dead face stare in the camera and will say like. I'm Goro, or I'm going to focus on Johnny Cage's chair to make sure you know this is Johnny Cage. Like, it's all full names, right? And then they'll have the parts where, like, the, like, face your fear, face your enemy. And they'll say it, like, three times. Or, like, Katana will give, she gives Liu Kang the strategy. And then during his fight, she, like, shows up off to the side to, like, look at the camera, and you hear her say the same thing over again. So, like, one of these moments where they're giving you a, like, we want to make sure you understand this is a plot point. Uh, you know, he says, like, I think it's Raiden, right, that says, don't rush into things. Like, this is your greatest weakness. And then that's exactly what he does in, like, setting up this fight with Goro. But then Chris Lambert is like, they're finally learning. So I don't... Right. Is, is this what... That's like, weird. did Raiden want him to do this, or did he not? Yeah, I think he wanted uh, the impression I got is he wanted Johnny Cage to be less selfish and sacrifice and do something for someone other than himself. Um, but keep in mind, this is a movie made for 15 year old boys that play video <laughs> games <laughs> instead of doing their homework. OK, yeah, there's not a lot so, of subtext. Take it, or, easy. Yeah. <laughs> take it easy. The target audience was not looking well, I just, for. I can't tell. You know, like, was he happy? Was this what he wanted him to do or not? I, I couldn't tell. I think it was, right? Sure. Very happy. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all right. So explain to me this then, because uh, now we could get into some questions. Um, what is the deal that someone explained to me the deal that Johnny Cage made with Shang Sun? Because I, I swear that I rewinded that part like four times and was like, wait, what is the deal? 
And then what? No, no, I don't want to explain it to you because I don't know. No, I refuse. I I refuse to sit here and let you interrogate this movie. It's like punching a wheelchair bound person. Like why in the face? Like why, dude? Dom, I I agree with you. I will. I will ask a a counter question to Mr. Hotel. Counter question is who gives a shit? (laughs) <laughs> thank you oh, well well certainly wow. not me because i loved it but like when you look <laughs> at like, this wait, wait. Wait, do we give a shit about plot at all like no not at all this uh, is not at all going not back to all. your point about the reason there's full names <laughs> it's because you have to watch and go oh shit i think that's goro yep that's goro he just said he's goro, oh, goro. Yeah, he said the thing and now he's gonna do the thing that is what right, this movie right. is it is he says the thing now he's gonna go do the thing but i i love you know, in terms of like whatever the script adapter had to do, like <laughs> what, what plot there was of it is kind of fascinating in terms of there not being a plot for the most part in the video game. Um, yeah, and right. It's just the so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of neat. Right. And some of like this whole the concept, the like central uh, conflict, I guess, here is the 10 tournaments wins results in the invasion of the realm, maybe. Um, I'll get to that maybe in a second, but, uh, that was then adapted it. Like that wasn't in the, the first game. I think I saw this came out right as two was being released and like they're right. It was very thin plot. If anything, it was really, again, more about like, let's just rip people's hearts out and stuff. Um, but that they adapted that, like the 10 tournament wins to invade a realm as like a key feature of the storylines in future games. Um, yeah, it's again, I didn't really need much. It's just funny that I'm like, he made this deal and a like, and then Chris Lambert in Raiden was very upset about like, why did you agree to this? And I still didn't understand what he actually agreed to and how that. You're doing it again. Because yeah. I, I am. I You're am. doing it again. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> Stop let, me, it. Let, me, let me ask Stop. another question. No. Uh, no, do it. What? No. What? Yes. So the, we've, we've covered a lot of tournament movies, a lot of tournament movies. Um, you know, and this, so this is kind of a comfortable wheelhouse for us. And I think it's a common question for us in a lot of these movies. What is the structure of this tournament? I don't think there's much. There's not. (laughs) Yeah, there's not. Well, that's the the thing um, I sent uh, you gentlemen before uh, we talked here, a a video last night on YouTube um, of, so this uh, screenwriter, Kevin Dorney, uh, he hasn't really done much before or since, did some TV in the early 90s but anyways i mean so anyways the youtube thing i was sending you was by um math sorry j matthew turner and how similar the movie is to enter the dragon and i mean yes. it's almost beat for beat plot points at times so oh, yeah. we ha- have a lead character competing in a tournament on remote island and there was a ton more than what i'm going to reference here in in this youtube clip but i mean it's just like on the sp- on the spot so i'm feeling like there's a video game and and this writer was like "Uh, you know i love enter the dragon and this is you know this is a fighting movie so let's just kind of push that in there so the the story that the lead character competing in a tournament i I already said that i'm so sorry (laughs) i apologize everyone uh so both had siblings the lead character uh who were murdered and want revenge you know they both befriended a, a rich white man uh they both had feasts on the island where the bad guy where the bad guy's yes. underlings intimidated our lead characters and yeah. the, the cool white guy beats the large competitor 
with a shot to the balls. Well, not defeats, but it definitely uh, wins Goro, which again, sort of ties into Enter the Dragon Bolo. So that's our Bolo Young tie-in this week. Patron um, saying of the podcast. There we go. The weird thing and is then, too, I don't mean to interrupt, but even if, no, you, please if, interrupt. if you squint a little bit, Goro almost has a little bit of Bolo vibe about him. I oh, agree. yeah. Yeah. That we'll definitely share this video through our social media too. It's yeah, it's uncanny. Yeah. In fact, I read somewhere the producer of this movie, Larry Kasanoff, said about the game, like when he was investigating the game and like he was really into it. He said the first time we played the game, he's like, This is like Star Wars meets Enter the Dragon. So and it might just right. his marching orders to the screenwriter to be like, just do this with Enter the Dragon right, or something right, like that. So right. not to throw shade on the screenwriter. Apologize. <laughs> um all right, I one more question, and then I'll stop. The, I will stop with any digs here, but another point. So what was the point of the entire tournament? <laughs> Considering the final scene of this movie, what was the point of this entire tournament? I can tell you that I'm glad I didn't see this movie with you. <laughs> I don't know. That's my point. That's and and I will say this is why this movie was not R-rated because you would have had grown ass people walking into this movie and walking out with the same questions that Mike has right now. They've been like, "What the fuck did I just watch? That was completely pointless." <laughs> well, right, then we what? got this this entire thing to stop him like crossing over and then at the end of the movie he does. Yeah. Like, well, why they do any of that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. Because we had to set up a sequel in, in the right. laziest way possible. Deus Ex Machina, we'll see you next time. Right, right, right. And I don't remember, again, I've watched this movie probably dozens of times as a teenager. Uh, again, the thought if the thought crossed my mind, it clearly never colored any of my impression of it. No. And honestly, it still doesn't. It's more just at the end now, watching and be like, yeah, all right. I guess they didn't have to do that whole tournament if he could just come anyways. He just showed up. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, my bus got here. I'm going to fuck you guys up now. That was my it. Bus. Like, yeah, yeah, it was fine. I was good with it. It's. Good. I was fine with it, too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, let's be honest. We just sat there for an hour and 40 minutes. We just went through about 42 ounces of Mountain Dew. Yep. Six Slim Jims. Yep. You know, I, I'm walking out of that movie feeling like I could fight God. I don't care how it oh, ends. Yeah. We're vibing to some of the hottest EDM music yeah. out there. We're and waiting for the drop before we knew what a drop was. Like, it was the right, shit. Exactly. 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 Again, none of these questions, none of them are complaints. I still love this. Um, uh, all right. My my final question to you guys. You said um, that was the, the final I, question, Tom. It is. I, Can, you you're know fired. Step into my office. You're fired. I want this final question times the second final question. It's this is my this is my finishing question. My finishing question to you. What is your fatality? Who wants to go first? I'll jump Why in first. I, I got this because uh, I'm a little ill. I don't know if you can tell in my voice. I've had a cold and I just used a neti pot for the first time today. <laughs> oh, God. So that would be my fatality is, is use the neti pot and fire projectiles at somebody. <laughs> Mm, I nice. feel like that's just gross enough and just like mid teenage for Mortal Kombat. It's just <laughs> yes, covering yes. somebody in mucus. So there you go. <laughs> I like it. Wonderful. So our Magic Man Matt, it's the uh, Magic Missile Snotball Neti Pot. Beautiful. Uh, Dom, Jason, who wants to go next? Dom, you take it. Oof. So is this like my? So it's not my yeah, favorite like if, one. Ugh. No, this is you. 
I mean, you you could say yours would be a, a move from this, but uh, if you were a Mortal Kombat character, if I was what would the Walking Kombat, Weapon do? Walking... <laughs> well, I'd snap my fingers, a Komodo dragon would go on the screen, and it would bite your bite your like your abdomen out, and your intestines would fall <laughs> on the floor. Holy, oh, Lord. tasty! <laughs> I'm not joking. That's that's what I would do, and they'd do that. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Amazing. I thought you were looking for something more comical, but no, I'm like, that's, no, that's, that's exactly that's exactly yeah, that's it. that sounds <laughs> amazing. The Komodo dragon crawls in. <laughs> That would probably be my new favorite fatality. It's way cooler than mine. That's pretty I, good. I feel like I need a take back. I was just being gross and shooting snot at people. This dude's like disemboweling people with like ancient lizards and shit. Well, that's why he's the walking weapon. He's, that's right. He, he sets a standard he of he doesn't have that confidence and brutality. That that's why we keep him around. Uh, Jason, how about you? I feel like I would just sort of like get near someone, trip, and then hopefully have it just start stabbing them <laughs> yeah, in their shins while I'm on the ground. Yeah, that's my plan. I picture you like uh, Drax in uh, right, but on Guardians the ground after I tripped. Right. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, if it were me, I would do. Um, so I, w- I had this obsession in college after seeing the South Park episode, The Brown Note, that was about <laughs> a musical note that would make someone shit their pants. And I had this obsession that there had to be a spot on the body that me and uh, Dom's friend Greg called the brown spot. That if you just applied just the like barest amount of pressure to it, they would instantly shit their pants. So my move <laughs> would be the brown spot, and I would just hit him in that spot. But it would be, of course, like gloriously, just like uh, like Raimi esque fountains of just diarrhea shit exploding out of their back, and it just withers them into a skeleton. Well done. That am, would be my. I am so good. glad mine wasn't the grossest. <laughs> I, I knew when you I was gonna tell you, but I'm like, don't worry, don't worry, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna save some face for you in there because mine's gonna be the gross one. Uh all right. Well that's uh very unscientific, but I'm hoping that uh Dr. Dom can bring us home with a very scientific science segment. Science. All right, so um in comics and movies and TV is characters with too many quotes, too many limbs. So they take, they take a person and they have like two arms and then another two arms coming out of their midsection. Or you'll see something like they'll have bat wings sticking out of their back or something like that. Um, or like Pegasus, you know, the horse with the wings on its back. Uh, I bring this up because Goro is arguably, in my opinion, the most recognizable of this. He's a giant, essentially a giant person, but he's got three fingers and an entire second set of limbs so if you were to make a goro and have him actually work would he look like that and no actually so here's the issue that people don't realize whenever you know movies like this in pop culture and stuff make an extra limbed character they just tend to take the limbs and like just stick them in and that's a problem because when you're dealing with musculature and moving those limbs, a lot of the musculature that moves your limbs is not in the limbs themselves. In fact, the muscular that moves parts of limbs typically is closer to the center of the body. So if you move your fingers, you'll notice the muscles are in your forearm. If you move your forearm, the muscles are in what you call your brachium, which is your upper arm. And when you move your upper arm, the muscles are in your chest. Right. So if you're looking at Goro, Goro would not be actually be able to move his 
lower set of arms at the base because he has no pecs to bring them in. He has no traps to bring them, you know, down, uh, no lats to bring them down. He's, you know, all that stuff. So he's got no traps to bring him back, et cetera, et cetera. So he's lacking what we call the proximal musculature to move his limbs. So if you were to make a Goro that's anatomically correct, he would not only have four arms, he would also have four, pe- four pecs, four delts, four traps, four lats, and all that. So he would basically look like two torsos stacked on top of one another. And he doesn't look like that. Now, I think that would be more intimidating, but it would also look a lot weirder. So I can see why they didn't do that. But that's something you'd expect. So next time you see a movie with uh, with things with extra limbs, you know, you should kind of be like, ah, it's a little weird. So like the dragons, by the way, the dragons in Game of Thrones, they don't have extra limbs. They're they're waverings. They actually don't have four limbs. Their four limbs are their wings, right? But if like you watch some other dragon movies like Dragonheart or something like that, they have like they have like wings just sticking out the back there's no muscles how are they going to fly how's pegasus going to fly it's a horse it weighs freaking thousand pounds how's it going to lift there's no muscles magic um magic yeah so if you ever see an angel in a movie (laughs) like an angel would look like a barrel with arms and wings because you would not only need the musculature to move the human arms you'd also need super powerful muscles to move the wings enough so you could generate lift so if you fought Goro, his lower arms probably couldn't get you. So um, the nut I shot. Need, Go ahead. What I'm going to need from you in between now when we're recording this today and when we publish this, uh, you know, sometime in the future, I need you to use your artistic talents. And friends, if you don't know, Dr. Dom is amazingly artistically talented. Our logo he designed. Uh, he has some talents. So oh, I want you to put it, that talent to use. He does. And I want you to draw us an anatomically correct uh, Goro. And Goro. bonus if you want to do anatomically correct Angel also, because that mm. sounds... I'm just picturing like something that kind of looks like a Koopa Troopa with wings. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but at least the Goro. Let's, let's see it. You know, just like we saw, you found us that video of the uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme Predator Let's do the uh, anatomically correct Goro. Uh, but not to cut you off. You have more of the science. Uh, That's it. I, I'm all set. It was a short one. All right. Science out. Science. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks, guys. That was an awesome movie. Uh, this was a great, uh, again, a great film, I think, of that era. For a lot of us, it sounds like, except for, I guess, Jason. Uh, you know, a foundational movie in our teenage yeah, years. I, I don't know if Jason was just too cool for it. Jay, were you like but, a uh, former basically. Amish? Like, did you are you an Amish escapee? Like, uh, no, but basically, <laughs> long story. A little column A, a little column. You know, we'll we'll each there have. You go. So we've already revealed that uh, Big Trouble in Little China will be my uh, my. Let's dig into the deep dark closet of Mike's past. Um, we'll we'll find a movie that's. It's Ricky. Would Ricky O be your skeletons in your closet movie? Ooh, like as far I'm sorry. I, I don't know. I just if we had a movie that we that would end up uncovering like our deep dark secrets. Yeah, I don't think that would be. I don't. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm just. What? I'm just throwing. I'm just throwing things out there. What What is uh, your deep dark secret with Big Trouble in Little China that you haven't seen it or like you watched it on a beach towel? Like what What is our deep dark secret here? <laughs> 
Uh, we'll get into it later. I'll, okay. I, I, I like I like this tease. This is a good tease. Yes, this is, uh, and we got to do it because I have seen it now and I love it. Um, we'll recently. We'll. <laughs> all right. So let's <laughs> let's talk about. Uh, all right. So thank you again for listening to this episode of Mortal Kombat. This is a fantastically uh, amazing movie and great conversation. Uh, let make sure you check out all our shows on our um, on our other Lunch Door podcast network buddies uh we have a uh, food about town who by the time you listen to this we should i think in our cadence have our above the law episode out so you will have already heard from our great friend chris lindstrom and uh, he has uh his show food about town so make sure you check that out also the beer review journal uh with our unforgettable episode with mckenneth blue and covering month drunken master for more of the laughs from that episode definitely make sure you check out uh, beer review journal we have anomaly out there by, and by the way mike uh, rumor has it you're still hung over from that episode i there's <laughs> not a rumor it's confirmed that's uh, that's why i have the the coke zero cans i'm still i'm still working over that follow uh all of our podcast our lunch door podcast friends on all our socials uh follow us on at punches and popcorn on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, again, thank you everybody for listening. And, and uh, if you want to share any thoughts with us, we'd love to hear from you. It's punches and popcorn at gmail.com. And uh, otherwise, be safe and uh, work on your fatalities. It's a dangerous world out there, folks. This has been a presentation of the Lunch Podcast Network. <laughs>